Blog Talk Radio. Another packed 
broadcast. And when I say packed, I mean packed because there's so much going on. So I want to thank you for joining us again. The call-in number is 646-200-3715. Again, 646-200-3715. And I want to encourage you not to be shy. If you have something to share, if you have a question, whether for me or for our guest who will be on uh, calling in later, then feel free to do that. We'd love, love, love to hear from you. This is the right voice. It's not just Adrian's voice. It's the right voice, which means it's your voice too. So feel free to call in, 646-200-3715. So again, uh, there is so much to talk about. And I want to, to say this right from the jump, that you can follow The Right Voice on Facebook. It's The Right Voice Radio on Facebook. The Right Voice Radio. Go on over there and give us a hit. And also, we are on Twitter. It's at The Right Voice One. At The Right Voice One. If you have not uh, befriended us on, on Twitter, then you are, you know, I don't know what to say. You need to get on. You need to get on and up with it, okay? So jump Jump on with us there. All right. Now, uh, again, there is a lot to talk about, and I was, I was thinking about that because I find myself saying that every week. There's so much to talk about. And I was reminded of what my mama used to say when I was a little girl. My mother would say, girl, you talk from the time you wake up till the time you go to sleep. From the time you wake up till the time you go to sleep. And here I am all my life. All I've done is talk. Uh, I was a teacher. I talked. And uh, I was a coach. I talked. And uh, and now I'm doing this radio show, and I talk. And I do public speaking, motivational speaking, and I talk. So my mama, she was on to something there. And I continue to talk to you tonight. And I hope I'm not talking to myself. So I hope you're listening. All right, let's just let's jump right in. Um, we're going to start off by, by talking um, and spend most of the night actually talking politics. And uh, first of all, in the, the GOP presidential race, we've got some shakeups going on there. We have Lindsey Graham. <clears throat> Lindsey Graham, Senator Lindsey Graham has dropped out of the race. You know, I put that on Facebook and somebody actually wrote he was in the race. I think they were being sarcastic, but you know, you just you just never know. But he dropped out this week and uh, to... to to say this, I really thought that Senator Graham was in it not because he, he thought he could win, and hopefully after a while he realized that, you know, with him polling at like not even 1%, that that probably wasn't going to happen. But I really thought that he was in it because he wanted to lend his voice to the issue of of terrorism. Uh, he's the only he was the only candidate who had military experience, and uh, and his focus was ISIS. I mean, you could ask him how the weather was, and he would mention ISIS, and he would talk about uh, boots on the ground, and he would talk about what it takes to defeat them. It didn't matter what the question was; he was going to bring it back to that because I believe that that uh, that was that was his focus. And of course, he you know he got into the whole blast Donald Trump thing. And uh, but you know Lindsey Graham wasn't the man of the hour, and you know he's establishment, and I'm um, you know so I'm I'm glad I felt like that was a, an early Christmas present. Um, I, I thank him for putting himself up for service, but I also thank him for taking himself out of the race. Um, he was polling horribly, even in his own state of South Carolina. So uh, he got out just in time there. And now I've learned that his supporters have been won over by none other than uh, Jeb Bush. So that's interesting. 
But in addition to that, we also have a new poll out. You know, every week it seems these candidates say or do something that, that makes us go, well, well, we'll see how this is going to affect affect him or her in the, in the polls. And uh, and when it comes to Donald Trump in particular, we're thinking, well, we don't know how this comment will affect him because a new poll hasn't come out yet. Well, a new poll is out, and uh, that poll uh, says that Donald Trump is at 28%, 28 Ted Cruz, 24, Marco Rubio, 12, Carson, 10, Chris Christie at 6, Jeb Bush at 4, Fiorina, 2, Paul, 2, and the rest are, you know, yeah, whatever. So, um, yeah, Trump at 28, and, and, and according to, to this, this is a Quinnipiac poll, that that's up one since November. Cruz's 24 is, is up eight, so they, they uh, Cruz has really uh, surged. Rubio, the the what I saw said that it was he was down five, but I think that was a mistake. I think he they meant that he was he was up five because he's been going up, not down. <clears throat> and uh and Carson is down six uh since since November. So that was real that because that's you know, that was quite a shift because it was Trump and, and, and uh Carson. But as people say these things are fluid and so they continue to change. The only thing that has not changed, it appears, <clears throat> is Trump's uh, whatever you want to call it. I, I don't know what you, what you call it, but obviously he's the front runner. So there you have the new poll, Trump 28, Cruz 24. Now, the Republican debate, the last one was a week ago. It was during, it started during this time that we were together on The Right Voice. And so I'm not going to go too deeply into it, but but there are a few takeaways from, from that, that debate. Um, first of all, people had expected to see a battle between Trump and Cruz because Cruz was, quote unquote, caught saying that Trump didn't have the judgment to be the president of the United States. And people blew that up and said that that Cruz was behind the scenes attacking Trump and all that. I said last week, and I'm going to say again, what did they expect a man to say? You're running for president. Do people really expect you to say that that you think the other guy has better judgment than you? No, obviously you think that you're the better candidate, which is why you're running. So I didn't really think that, you know, that Cruz deserved that kind of criticism. But Trump did come back at him, called him, said he was something like a maniac, which really probably didn't go well because Cruz is not considered by conservatives to be a maniac or a wacko bird as uh, Senator McCain has called some Tea Partiers or some of the less establishment, more conservative people. Um, but then we got to the to the debate and people were wondering, okay, so will Cruz and Trump go at it? Will they go at it? Well, no. They played really nicely with one another. Trump, especially the, the moderator, seemed like they wanted a little something going on. And Trump was like, no, nah, I'm fine. Got no problems at all. Totally disarmed them, which was kind of interesting. He was gracious and he refused to take the bait. And uh, Cruz, for his part, has has been gracious throughout when it comes to Trump. So then there was uh, the battle between Cruz and Rubio, though, on the issue of immigration. Um, and so that was a whole big thing where uh, where Rubio suggested that Cruz, or not just suggested, said that he and uh he, that Cruz was not that much off from Rubio immigration. We all know that lots of people don't trust Rubio. 
because he, you know, got into this marriage with um, Schumer and, and Obama, really, on immigration and, um, and uh, the Gang of Eight, the whole Gang of Eight mess. And so people do not trust Rubio on that. And, uh, but Cruz rejected that he supported a pathway to citizenship, which is what uh, Rubio leveled uh, at him during, during the debate. And so that was played out for several days because people said that Cruz was less than honest. But um, so anyway, that was, uh, that was one issue there. Uh, Rubio had countered by suggesting that, uh, you know, that Cruz pushed an amendment that would have allowed undocumented people to, to receive work permits. And Cruz's campaign said that the amendment singled out by Rubio was actually a poison bill, which was aimed at foiling the legislation. So again, people have been kind of digging into that whole thing and and uh, and talking about where that where that stands. That was one thing. Um, and then also in the debate, another takeaway was the Jeb Bush and Trump exchange. Um, so I would like to just play. Uh, I'd like to play a little bit of that, a little bit of that exchange for you. Donald Trump, Jeb Bush. Here you go. This is a tough business oh, to run for oh, president. Oh, I know. You're a tough guy, Jeb. And, it's, and we need to have a leader that is for real principles. tough. You're never going to be president of the United States tough, by insulting Jeb, yeah? your way to well, the president. Well, let's see. I'm at 42 and you're at three. So, Doesn't so matter. far, I'm doing better. Doesn't matter. So far, I'm doing better. You know, you started off over here, Jeb. You're moving over further and further. Pretty soon, you're going to be off the end. This doesn't do a thing to solve Go ahead. Kind of reminds you of elementary school, uh, but I found it interesting. You had to see it, though. I mean, you could hear it, but when you see it, it's just the expressions on uh, the expressions on Trump's face, uh, the expression on Bush's face. It's it's just classic. Um, but I, I just have to say, it seems to me that Bush has been <clears throat> counseled, instructed, whatever you want to call it, to be very aggressive toward toward Trump, but. It doesn't work. It really doesn't work. In fact, when I see Jeb Bush in those situations, I just feel sorry for him. He just, I mean, Trump just looked at him and was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're a real tough guy. You're, you're a real tough guy. You know, and, uh, and then there was that exchange where, where Bush was saying, um, no, I'm talking. I'm, you know, well, actually, Trump started with, am I talking? Am I talking? And then Bush was like, I'm talking. I'm talking. And he's just trying to, it's like he's trying to, find his inner aggression and it's just not working for him. It's it's not. And you know, I, I, I applaud him for putting himself out there and you hear great things about him as, as the governor as when he was governor, but I tell you what, his presidential campaign is just I'm just like it um stop the bleeding already. Uh it just it's just not working for him. It really isn't. Anyway. Uh, I want to also just another takeaway was, was Carly Fiorina, who, whom I had spoken. I, I've, I've not endorsed her or endorsed anyone at all, but um, I was I've spoken well of Carly Fiorina because she's so articulate and she clearly has a grasp on the issues. And uh, but I, I I did say last week that I felt like she was sort of she sort of stepped into this bash Trump. Thing and I thought that she was she was better at just sticking to the issues and going after um, Hillary Clinton and and now she's kind of fallen into that. So um, she's she's solid on the issues as you can hear in this clip that I'm about to play. 
But then we get to the ending, and I'd love to to know what you think about how she ends this this um this monologue. Take a listen here. Well, first I'll just point out that talking tough is not the same as being strong. And to wage war, we need a commander-in-chief who has made tough calls in tough times and stood up to be held accountable over and over, not first-term senators who never made an executive decision in their life. One of the things I would immediately do, in addition to defeating them here at home, is bring back the warrior class, Petraeus, McChrystal, Mattis, Keene, Flynn. Every single one of these generals I know, everyone was retired early because they told President Obama things that he didn't want to hear. We must have Sunni Arabs involved in this coalition. We must commit leadership, strength, support, and resolve. I'll just add that Margaret Thatcher once said, if you want something talked about, ask a man. If you want something done, ask a woman. Okay, again, here's a woman who has solid grasp of the issues. You can hear it every answer she gives. She knows what she's talking about. She's not just um, she's not just messing around. She's not just throwing out words. But then I was I, when she got to the end there, I thought out of the blue, out of nowhere, she did something that really hasn't been her strong suit, I, I think, or hasn't been uh, her modus operandi, I should say. And that was I thought she played the woman card. Out of nowhere, she forced this. Margaret Thatcher said, "If you want something done." Uh, said, ask a man. If you want something done, ask a woman. And I felt like she had come into this debate determined that she was going to get that line in there one way or another. And I think that Ms. Fiorina, Mrs. Fiorina has so much going for her that she doesn't need to resort to forced woman card playing. Just, just stick to the issues. Another thing about her, I just find it interesting that she is so solid. And when she, when she was moved up from the undercard to the main debate, um, way back for the second debate that her, her numbers went up and people were impressed and yet she just can't seem to gain any any traction. And um and I and I wonder I wonder why why that is. If if you if you have a take on that, if you have a if you think I'm wrong in terms of her playing the woman card, uh I don't know. What do you what do you think? You can give me a call at six four six two zero zero three seven one five and kind of weigh in on um on Carly and and what you think what you think about her so so feel free to do that so anyway uh, that's just a, a quick recap of of um, the GOP debate it was it was a week ago now and you probably heard so much about it and <clears throat> not much has changed there you know Trump is Trump and uh, Cruz did well but he got himself in, into a little hot water with the immigration argument um, some people if you listen to comments felt that Carson was was better Dr Carson and uh, and by that I mean a comment had been made that he was a little more alive and, uh, you know, because he's very, very low key and some people fault him for that. I mean, he's a little bit too low key for me, but again, brain surgeon, he's a thinker. He's not, not a thunderer and, and he tends to not be politically correct uh, as, as Trump is not politically correct, but they just go about it differently. But he seemed a little bit more more alive and enthusiastic, I guess, to some. But those poll numbers have, have changed, and he has dropped. <clears throat> Rubio, um, many feel, did well. I mean, Rubio's a great debater. He is what I call the consummate <clears throat> uh, politician. And I'm just going to be I'm just going to be honest, okay? I I just can't I can't take Marco Rubio. I have a problem with him. I think 
He's a gifted politician. He's a gifted speaker. And he knows he's a gifted speaker. And he relies on that. He's a fast-talking politician to me. But in addition to that, some of the issues that I have with Marco Rubio, or a main issue I have with him, he doesn't show up for work. That's been a constant talk. Even his you know, friend, mentor, as they say, Jeb Bush called him out on it a few debates ago, which, again, didn't work well for Bush because Rubio jumped all over him. <clears throat> but he doesn't, he doesn't show up for votes. And I, and I feel like this. I know you're running for president, and you keep reminding us that that's why you can't stay in Washington long enough to vote for anything, because you're running for president. Well, the people who elected him in Florida didn't elect him for him to run for president. They elected him to represent the state of Florida. And so I think that you should be able to find time somehow in your presidential run to vote for things that matter. And it says something to people. I mean, and you, you, you're getting paid with taxpayer dollars. And if you're going to run your mouth about something, then I think that, that, you, should, that you should back it up by, by putting your money where your mouth is. Okay, now he missed this this past week. We've been talking about this this trillion dollar spending bill, omnibus omnibus bill that passed one trillion dollars. That and we'll, we'll we'll talk about that later if there's time. But that's a huge thing. And Rubio didn't show up. He has the worst voting attendance record in the Senate, and he didn't show up for that omnibus vote, which he was running his mouth about. And I just saw a few minutes ago, Greta Van Susteren had him on there, and Greta took it to him right from the start. She called him out on it strongly tonight. And what was his answer? She said, sir, you didn't show up for the vote, for this spending bill. That was basically a gift to the Democrats with all kinds of stuff in it that, that we should be standing against. So she said, hey, you didn't show up. And you know what he said? He said, Greta, I was doing something which is running for president so we don't have to face this in the future. So in other words, I didn't I didn't I didn't show up for the vote this time because I'm busy. I'm doing something. I'm running for president and I'm running for president to win so that we don't have to face the same kind of stuff in the future. Listen, dude, if you don't show up for votes, we ain't going to have no future. We need people that that stand for something. Why would I vote for you to get a promotion when you can't even do the job you're doing now? I mean, I could see missing a vote here and there, perhaps, but you're just just, just missing all kinds of votes. Oh, you were in Iowa. Well, that's great. That's really great. I, that's I, Hey, what do you think? It just rubs me the wrong way. He also said, you know, that they were going to ram this, this um, spending bill down people's throats. And so, you know, it was already predetermined. And he said, I'm out. And it was the arrogance to me. It was just an arrogant response. And his response was, you know, I'm out running for president and I'm going to continue to do that. That's exactly what he told Greta. And she told him exactly. She said she wasn't going to be the dead horse, but she let him know that she did not, didn't like it. I don't like it either. I don't like the smooth talk that I see in him. I don't, I, I, you know, the immigration issue with the Gang of Eight, I don't like that even though he's backtracked on that. And I definitely, more than anything, don't like the fact that he can't show up and cast a vote on the things that matter because you think it's predetermined. Look, you make a stand. You take a stand. You get a backbone. You do the job that the taxpayers are paying you to do.
And if you can't do that, you don't deserve a promotion. And Greta said, Ted Cruz, she said she knew how important the vote was for him because she had spent some time with him and he was rushing because he needed to get back to D.C. so that he could vote. Mm. But uh, Rubio was doing something, running for president so that these things don't happen again. Anyway, that that's your highlights from the GOP debate. Um, and so I want to come back and, and briefly, and I'm gonna I'm gonna come back briefly and talk about the. Um, actually, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take a break. I'm gonna stay right here and talk to you about the uh, the Democrat debate. Let's just do that. Let's just hang right here, Democrat debate. And again, our phone number is six four six. Two zero zero three seven one five. I'm your host Adrian Ross, and you are listening to the Right Voice. And today we're going to get into this topic: um, Who pushed the video? Do you remember that? Hillary Clinton pushed the video again, and she makes some false claims about Donald Trump, which we are going to get into. So, the Democrat. Did you see the Democratic presidential debate? It was on Saturday. Okay, and. It's interesting because it was Saturday. It was almost 9 o'clock. It was up against an NFL game, okay? That's one thing going on with the Democrats. They don't want to have more debates. It seemed like people were, some of the candidates were pushing for, well, there are only three of them, but I think it was O'Malley, maybe even Sanders, were, uh, were pushing for more debates. And uh, Debbie Washerman Schultz, the uh, DNC chair, well, nope, don't want any more debates. Let's put it on Saturday night. The last one was on Saturday night, too. Nine o'clock almost, an NFL game is on. And the next debate they'll have is in January. This time it'll be on a Sunday, and it'll be against two NFL playoff games. Now, what's the problem with this? The problem with this is that the attendance is not going to be very good. But that's not just the problem. That's the plan. Of course they knew the schedule. Why, why are they doing this? Why are these debates all tucked and hidden? What are they what are they doing? What's the purpose of it? Yeah, we know the purpose of it. The purpose is so that some that people don't get to see these. The purpose uh, is to provide cover for Hillary Clinton because we know that the DNC is all in it for her. Anyway, that'll be in January. But the one on Saturday at about 9 p.m. against the NFL game began with an apology from Bernie Sanders. Uh, because uh, his staffers, you know, you've heard the scandal. His, his staffers took advantage of a computer glitch and, and took a look at, at Hillary Clinton's voting information, and that was a whole big thing, and he's suing the DNC, and Debbie Wasserman, uh, Wasserman Schultz is all up in it, and, and there's a big big deal there. But um, but he apologized. They, they got that out of the way right away and, and moved on to say that, that there'll be an, an independent investigation because he's not confident that she, her people didn't look at and, and his stuff too. And he did fire those people who did that because he said, we do not run that kind of campaign and it should not have been done. So that was the start of it. And then they went to playing nice again. I, if I could count how many times he said, the secretary is right. The secretary is right. The secretary is right. And the problem with that, I mean, the, the, the Democrats seem to be um, not willing to do what the Republicans do. And that could be wise if you think so or not. Uh, wise, uh, Wisdom might say, well, they're not beating each other up, which 
may be good because then it doesn't give uh, fodder for the Republicans to use against the eventual candidate. But not good because whoever the eventual candidate is, and of course it looks like it'll be Hillary Clinton, they're not going to have the experience of being um, knocked around as, as they need to. Um, and so that can be an issue. It's sort of like those, if you watch sports, it's, it's sort of like a double-edged sword, um, if that's the right phrase, but you have that team that's undefeated and they never want to lose and the coach never wants to lose. But sometimes it's better to get that loss out of the way, get, uh, get that competition, get roughed up and get it out of the way. And then you can shore up where you're, where you're lacking rather than going to say your playoff game and then, uh, and, and, or your, your championship game and face another championship caliber team. And then your, your, your head is spinning. So it's almost better to get that loss. Perhaps. I don't, I don't know. You have to decide what you think on that, but, Anyway, my concerns as I listened to this, as I watched the debate, was that these candidates, O'Malley, Sanders, Clinton, that I, I don't think they have what it takes to keep Americans safe because they're too interested in being politically correct. And we've been talking a lot about that here on The Right Voice. You know, um, this, is where, this is where Trump resonates, though, because he's not interested in political correctness. And he may go overboard, but he's not interested in political correctness. And I listened to them talk about... Um, you know, foreign policy, talk about terrorism. And, and you know what? People are concerned. And the threats from ISIS and, and, and all and, and these terrorist organizations are real. And they, they want people to, to do something about it. They want our elected officials to do something. They want to know that they have a plan. They want to know that they take it seriously. They don't want them sitting around singing Kumbaya. You know, and, and O'Malley, Martin O'Malley went around and he went in this debate and he started talking about, about how he visited a mosque. And many others in the wake of some of these attacks, particularly the one in San Bernardino, actually, they said, you know, we're going to visit a mosque because we, we want to make sure that the Muslims know that we don't blame them and we want to make nice and everything. You know, and, and O'Malley shared about how there's this child that he that at the mosque who was concerned that Trump was going to kick her out of the country because, you know, because being, for being a Muslim. And, and and he said that I'm like you know Trump he he said that that maybe we should pause well he didn't say maybe he said we should take a temporary pause on on Muslims coming into the country now you can agree or disagree with that okay you can you can feel we all know that not all Muslims are jihadis okay so you might say that was that's the wrong way to go and that's not who we are and all that whatever. The bottom line is that here comes O'Malley saying, oh, I talked to this person and this person feels that, that if Trump is elected, then I'm going to have to leave. And, you know, and I'm thinking, really? You know, and so what I can't get is in the midst of this, these continued threats that we have, these so-called leading voices run to make sure everyone's feelings are taken care of before they want to make sure Americans are taken care of. You know, and, and this is, I'm like, well, where is, no Muslim should be discriminated against, but where's this mass discrimination that Obama seems to be concerned about and the Attorney General Loretta Lynch seems to be concerned about and O'Malley and Clinton and Sanders and on and on? Where, where, where is this? They better spend more time trying to figure out what they're going to do to keep us safe. And President Obama going around on NPR and everything belittling the concerns of Americans, which he just did in the last day. <clears throat> But their inclination, these candidates, is to run to, to Muslims rather than secure Americans. To me, that's mind-boggling. 
And I thought of this the other day. I was like, you know, their inclination, I thought of this analogy. It's like immediately showing support, you know, immediately showing sympathy, I should say, to Muslims in the wake of terrorism is like, okay, seeing a, a, a children who are abused, okay? There's a child who's abused, and then you turn to, you go to all parents, and you want to comfort the parents because you want to make sure that no one hurts any of the parents for the action of the one child abuser. No, the first thing you do is check on the children who are abused to make sure that they're safe. You're not going to a bunch of parents to make sure that they don't get blamed for something another parent did. It just doesn't it just doesn't make sense. So my to me, the, the focus is cute. Yes, we need to treat all people with respect and we don't need to blame everyone for the actions of a few, but I don't think anyone is doing that. So why don't you just figure out what we're gonna do? Stop downplaying the threat, come up with a plan and get a backbone and stop trying to be politically correct and pander for votes. Even Huckabee, I thought was interesting during the undercard debate um on last Tuesday. You know, he said, well, why don't we drop the Syrian refugees at the White House or at Martha's Vineyard? How about how about that? You know, you then, he, you know, he blasts the left because he said the, the left is always, always preaching separation of of church and state. But they always want to lecture us on how to be a Christian. And if you don't want Syrian refugees to come in or if you think there should be a temporary halt on immigration, then you're somehow not a Christian. Well, I thought you didn't. I thought there was a separation of church and state that you're always preaching. Hmm. Another takeaway that got Hillary Clinton in some uh, hot water is the fact that uh, she said that we uh, we are now where we need to be with ISIS. And this is where people say there's such a disconnect. <laughs> we are where we need to be with ISIS? Really? These people are cutting off heads and and, and all kinds and, and just... And, Killing children and and we are where we need to be? No, we are not where we need to be. And the vast majority of Americans know that. And that's why gun sales are soaring. Concealed carry permits are soaring because people do not feel safe and they're exercising their Second Amendment rights. Because you certainly can't count on this administration to get a clue. Anyway. Who pushed the video? I want to talk about that. Hillary Clinton made a statement that during the debate that ISIS uses videos of Trump to recruit as a recruitment, a recruitment tool. Here it is. Mr. Trump has a great capacity uh, to use bluster and bigotry to inflame people and to make them think there are easy answers to very complex questions. So what I would say is, number one, we need to be united against the threats that we face. We need to have everybody in our country focused on watching what happens and reporting it if it's suspicious, reporting what you hear, making sure that Muslim Americans don't feel left out or marginalized at the very moment when we need their help. And we also need to make sure that the really discriminatory messages that Trump is sending around the world don't fall on receptive ears. He is becoming ISIS's best recruiter. 
they are going to people showing videos of Donald Trump insulting Islam and Muslims in order to recruit more radical jihadists. So I want to explain why this is not in America's interest to react with this kind of fear and respond to this sort of bigotry. Hmm. Now you heard, she clearly stated that ISIS is doing this. They are going to people with video. And when she said it, I'm thinking, really? I mean, because I keep up with a lot. It's my job to keep up with what's going on in the, in the news. And I hadn't heard any of that. And I hadn't seen any video. And, of course, now, hot water, because there was no evidence of a video. And PolitiFact said that there's no video. Donald Trump called her a liar. And so I'm thinking, hadn't she, hasn't she learned from her experience with Benghazi? When the Obama administration, including Hillary Clinton, when Susan Rice went out and told the American people that the attack on our conflict was the result of a YouTube video, when they knew that it was not, when they knew that it was a terrorist attack, but for political gain, because we supposedly have the terrorists on the run, they said it was a YouTube video. (laughs) And Greg Gutfeld asked that question, who pushed the video? And when those emails came out, We know that Mrs. Clinton told her daughter that it was a terrorist attack and then told the American people that it was a video. And here she goes again, having obviously not learned her lesson and says that there's a video out there that 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 there are videos that ISIS uses to recruit videos of Donald Trump. Okay, now she's got to clean it up because she'd run off at the mouth. He called her a liar. Political fact, political fact, political fact said no. I can't even seem to say it. They said no. So she has to send out her communications director to try to clean it up. Now, I want you to take a listen to what her communication director said, but be prepared to cringe as you listen. And we're back now with Jen Palmieri, the Clinton campaign communications director of the Clinton campaign. We have to begin, I think, with what you, Secretary Clinton, giving it to the Republicans last night, especially Donald Trump, getting a little bit of it back this morning, your response to Donald Trump. Um, The... uh, uh you know, uh, Donald Trump, I think, was talking, uh, you know, what Secretary Clinton was saying last night is that one of the, one of the many dangerous things about Donald Trump is that uh, his hot rhetoric, say we should not allow Muslim refugees into the country, is being used, and this is something that the site, uh, site uh, uh, international group has, who monitors social media and uh, on ISIS, has but said But there that, have been no videos. Well, what, what they have said is that they are using him, they, he's being used in social media by ISIS as propaganda. She didn't have a particular video in mind, but he's being used in social media. Um, and, uh, you know, what they haven't found is, this group hasn't found a video that, you know, Mr. Trump keeps talking about, this alleged mystery video of thousands of people in Jersey cheering uh, collapse of the World Trade Center. But it is true that they, he is being used in social media by um, ISIS. But to be to, clear, to help you, don't have the, you don't have a video, as she said. She's not referring time. to a specific video, but he is being used in social media by ISIS as propaganda. Uh, international <laughs> group, which monitors, this is what they do, they monitor, social, they monitor ISIS on social media, they monitor other terrorist groups on social media to see what they are using, and they have said that they are using him in social media as propaganda to help recruit support. How about the co- Was that painful or what? That's painful. I, I, I actually kind of feel sorry for uh, Ms. Palmieri as, as I'm listening to her talk to Stephanopoulos there. 
she just sounds like, oh, my goodness, I am in this situation where I have to come up with an answer. And she did say, no, there's no particular video. Uh, they're, you know, using social media. Yeah. In other words, she wasn't telling the truth. And so the lady hemmed and hawed, oohed and on, because clearly it was not the truth. And it's painful. It's just painful. My friend Christy says I say painful, just like that. Yeah, it, it was painful. So who pushed the video? Hillary Clinton pushed the video, hadn't learned her lesson. So Donald Trump demands an apology, and uh, Clinton's camp, to be honest, said, and I quote, hell no. Um, that, 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 uh, no, that he's not getting an apology. So whether she lied or not, fabricated a lot, was confused or not, whatever, um, she, they're not apologizing. So they say there is no video apparently. And, uh, but it is interesting, no video of Donald Trump being used for recruitment, uh, as a recruitment tool, but it's interesting that ISIS does have a video out in which they refer to Hillary Clinton's husband, Bill Clinton, as a fornicator. Hmm. Who's going to push that video? <laughs> Funny she didn't mention that one. Anyway, and that video does exist. Anyway, uh, let, let's talk before we transition away from politics for a little while. Um, I want to uh, to point out that uh, Donald Trump has had some people, even some people who uh, I suppose are staunch supporters, are, um, I imagine, critical of what's what's come out in the last couple of days, and that is, if you saw the debate, you know that at some point Hillary Clinton was late returning to her her podium. Uh, apparently, she went to the bathroom, um, and so uh, Donald Trump made comments uh, that said, "Well, we know where she was, and it is too disgusting to discuss." And so people were commenting on the the sexism of that. You know, oh yeah, we know where she was and how disgusting it was. She was at the bathroom. And so you can put two and two together um, about about why that people find found that offensive. And also he made a, a comment this week that he's really taking um, some heat for. And that is, he had said, and I won't say the word, but he had made a comment that Obama was something, Hillary in 2008, like, um, he used a term for the male anatomy or whatever. Uh, I guess trying to suggest that Obama was uh, Obama was, had beat was beating her or stepped in and beat her, but he used that vulgar vulgar term. You can Google it. I'm sure you'll find it. I, I'm so naive or innocent or whatever you want to call it. I'd never even heard the expression before. But um, you know, people are criticizing him. You know, Donald Trump speaks off the cuff, and I there are things that I really do appreciate about uh, some things that he says, but there's some things like other people have to go, really? Like, like why? Why Why would you even have to go there? Um, so you might want to think all the off-the-cuff stuff and, and just might want to just, you know, rethink some of this. Uh, but, you know, I don't know that Donald Trump will take my advice. So anyway, you're listening to Adrian Ross on The Right Voice. The number here is 646-200-3715. Now, this time, uh, I am going to take a quick break. When I come back, I'm going to be talking to uh, Laura Hatton, and we're going to transition into some more pleasant news as a follow-up of a segment that we did that we did last week. But this break is not actually a break from politics. It is a an, it is an ad that the Hillary Clinton campaign put out, and it is a play on how the Grinch stole Christmas, and it's how the Republicans. Progress. 
Take a listen. Clever or just ridiculous? American families like progress a lot. But the Grinches in GOP bill, it seems they do not. Together they shout with great Grinchy zeal that on health care their plan is... Repeal, 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 repeal. On immigration, they vow to build a wall on the border. And as for deporting dreamers, they would... Terminate President Obama's illegal executive order. On protecting families from reckless big banks, their plan is simply... Repeal Dodd-Frank. And while trickle-down economics has made us all weary... The Republicans offer the same supply-side economic theory. Environmental reform, they promise to nix it. And Roe versus Wade, they aspire to fix it. Now, if that weren't enough to leave you all stunned, take their stance on Planned Parenthood. Defund, defund, defund. Our progress they to take and stuff in a sack. Instead of moving forward, we've come to take our country back. We'll stop them from reaching their extreme Grinchy goals when we head out together to vote at the polls. We'll send them back to GOPville, where they all belong. We'll protect our progress and keep American families strong. So what say you? <laughs> what do you what do you think of that from Hillary Clinton, that ad? That uh, clever, um, you know, the, the little rhyming how Republicans steal progress thing. What do you think of that? Kind of, kind of interesting there. And uh, what I thought was interesting too was, uh, you know, how she had to put the defund Planned Parenthood in there. And just one more comment about the the Democratic presidential debate on Saturday. Uh, I found it kind of interesting that as she was plugging. Planned Parenthood during that debate on Saturday, almost in the same breath, she followed right away by talking about how she is a grandmother and commenting that every child, she says, every child deserves the right to live up to his God-given potential. And I go, huh? I'm like, they don't quite get it. You, you, you know, we, you almost seem to worship at the feet of Planned Parenthood. And yet in the next breath, you hail being a grandmother and talk about how children deserve the right to live up to their God-given potential. And I'm thinking there's an absolute disconnect. God, please open their eyes and see, because it's just like a blindfold. Speaking of that, her being a grandmother, uh, you probably heard that uh, Chelsea Clinton is expecting. So Ms. Clinton will be a second time grandmother uh, rather, rather soon. Uh, no thanks to Planned Parenthood, uh, clearly. Anyway, So there there you have it. Again, the number is uh, 646-200-3715. You're listening to The Right Voice. I'm your host, Adrian Ross. And sometimes we do go into overtime on uh, on The Right Voice. We are slated for 8 to 9 Eastern, uh, but we allow uh, extra time just in case. So if we do go a little bit over, then I'm sure that you will want to hang with us. But I am very excited to have a guest with us uh some you know in the midst of all the craziness the politics and the the news and all those things that go on we always we always rejoice in hearing some 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 happy happy news and uh and today i have a guest on who's going to talk to us um 
Uh, her name is, is Laura Hatton, and uh, she's a wife and a mom, and she, she's very active in her, in her children's lives and in her, in her community. And uh, Laura, I thank you so much for joining us on The Right Voice. Thanks for having me. Yes, it is my pleasure, my friend. And uh, and so today, Laura's going to talk to us as a follow-up, as I said, to a segment, segment that we had last week in which I spoke to a, a high school senior, um, you may remember, Mariah Hughey. And she talked to us about this program that was coming up. It's called Clover's Cops and Christmas. And high school is partnered with the police department and to provide needy children with Christmas presents and a meal. And so Mariah gave us a little background on the event, uh, which was last Saturday in Cloverdale, Indiana. So, Laura, I wanted you to come on because you were involved in this. And uh, and because we we really talked quite a bit about what was going to go on on Saturday, I want I want the follow up. I want our listeners to know how it all turned out. And first, let me ask you: You're neither a high schooler or a police officer. So, how did you get involved in uh, Clover's Cops and Christmas? Oh, how did I get involved in Clover's Cops and Christmas? Yes. Um, you know, I moved into Putnam County about a year about a year and a half ago. Um, I've actually moved around. Eric and I have moved our family around quite a bit over the years, and we decided that it was time to stop moving. And we looked around in the Indianapolis area um, for a good place to kind of throw some seeds down and get rooted, and somehow we ended up in Putnam County. So we're out here, and you know me. I, I'm i just always looking around for stuff to do. So <laughs> I get involved in um, our local community and I become friends with everyone here and I get pulled into this event that they, um, it's the first annual Clover's Cops and Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, so I basically, I just agreed to jump in and help out where I could. Okay. So how, how did you first hear about it though? And what was I your heard, particular role? My particular role, I heard about it from my friend, uh, Chief of Police Mike Clark. And my mm-hmm. particular role was I'm honestly a jack of all trades on just about everything I do. Um, I I helped out in organizations, the communications, logistics, the crowd management, public relations, um, and just anything that, you know, they asked me to do I, and I could make happen. I stepped in and did what I could. Mm-hmm. And about how many other people were involved in helping? Um, I would say we probably had close to 200 volunteers that day. So Wow. Yeah, full house. That's wonderful. So tell us, I mean, like I said, we, we know that this was for, for needy children. Tell us a little bit more about the event in particular, how it turned out on Saturday. I know you had high hopes for it. How did it go? It went awesome. Um, the Clover's Cops and Christmas was a community event that we provided Putnam County families the help that they needed during the holidays. And we also provided um, their neighbors an opportunity to experience the joy of actually serving others during the season of giving. Mm-hmm. So what happened was the teachers from Cloverdale, North Putnam, and South Putnam, um, along with their students and the Cloverdale Police Department, they joined forces and had a massive charity event for the needy families in the area. Um, mm-hmm. the, the parents were allowed to come to the event, and they were able to basically shop and pick out a few toys for their children. Um, the FFA kids had set up wrapping stations near the toy bins where they could do the shopping, and they wrapped um, the presents if the parents wanted to, 
and the parents were then able to take them outside and put them into their vehicles without the children noticing so that they would actually have um, wrap presents to put underneath the Christmas tree for the children on Christmas morning. Um, their role was organization, and they also provided the dinner and the security and entertainment for everyone that attended. Um, as far as the numbers on the event, we ended up... Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm looking through my notes really quick. No, that's fine. That's fine. Okay. 604 kids received presents um, wow. from the event, and we served 146 families um, a warm meal, and we gave them the opportunity to fellowship with their neighbors and friends in a safe and fe- festive atmosphere that evening. So it turned out really, really well for the first wow. one. Clover's competition. Yeah. That is so cool. I love the idea of these parents being able to come and shop for their kids and pick a certain amount of toys out and then wrap them up. And I mean, that's just such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I told Mariah last week, you know, we hear so many negative things about young people today and that they're so self-absorbed and all that. And, you know, the whole, and we know what's going on with, you know, stuff with cops and law enforcement and people criticizing them. And for this to come together like that, it's just, I just think it's such an amazing thing. And so many children are going to be smiling on Christmas because people like you have served. That's wonderful. Well, that's what we're hoping. I mean, that was a part of one of the reasons that I wanted to get involved in this is that there's so many events going on where the children come and they immediately get the gifts. And they just kind of, you know, parents go from event to event to event and pick up presents for their children. And I really like the idea of this because it gave the parents the opportunity to take the gifts home and to mm-hmm. hide them and actually put them underneath the Christmas tree. So the parents right. did not have to, you know, they didn't have to buy the wrapping paper. They didn't have to buy the gift tax. And all of that is expensive, too, on Christmas. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. not just the gifts people buy. It's everything that goes along with you know, presenting the gift to people. So that was all taken care of for everybody. And I, I really like the idea of that. So I hope that a lot of parents take them home and, you know, on Christmas morning, the kids are going to be surprised and, you know, they're going to, yeah. it's going to be a good Christmas for a lot of people. So Absolutely. And my understanding is you guys gave away bikes also, didn't you? We did. We did. The Putnam County Correctional Facility, they donated 50 to 50, 50 to 60 bikes this year. So. Wow. A lot of people got bikes, and a lot of kids are going to be excited this morning. And I'm excited wow. for them. Absolutely. Them. Yes. And for those who want to see some of these pictures, you are on social media. You are on Facebook. What's the Facebook page so people can go and check out some of these pictures? Well, what I actually did with this event was I made a Facebook event page because a mm-hmm. lot of times people make Facebook pages and the event oh, you know, okay. spent over and Nobody, you know, interacts with the page anymore. So I actually just made a Facebook event page, but I think you can find it. I'm in the public event page. It's called Clover's Cops and Christmas. Yes. Clover's Cops and Christmas. And there's some great yes. pictures there. So I encourage everyone to, to, to find that and take a look. Now, I'm going to ask you guys uh, one more question for you. And I want to know, I mean, because I know there was a lot going on that night and a lot of a lot of good memories and warm feelings and a lot of buzz and because it's just it's not just all fun. I know it's hard work too, but can you just share with us one particular memory from that night as it pertains to a child or family's response? Something that just really stands out for a particular, you know, with a particular child or family. Well, you know, there was so much going on that evening that mm-hmm. honestly everybody that I talked to Mm-hmm. Um, 
everybody was joyful and thankful. I mean, they were either mm-hmm. thankful for the opportunity to give to others because mm-hmm. a lot of people stepped forward and, you know, took advantage of the opportunity to give to right. other others this season. And everybody that received that evening was thankful too. So, I mean, there was, there's just so many and so many conversations with people, but I'll tell you what really stood out was um, how well the kids interacted with each other during this mm-hmm. event. There mm-hmm. was, we had middle schoolers volunteering. We had high schoolers volunteering. And a lot of the high schoolers were focused more on um, basically the shopping area of the event where the parents were coming in and they were wrapping gifts. But we mm-hmm. had a lot of middle, middle schoolers that were actually entertaining um, the younger kids that were there. So a lot mm-hmm. of people ended up staying longer than they might have because the kids um, had volleyball nets to play with. Um, they had cornhole. They had coloring areas where they could color picture Christmas pictures for their families. And uh, there's a lot of middle, middle schoolers that were organizing games for the kids to play out there and just to keep them entertained. And that really stood yeah. out to me because it was just, it was just, it was a phenomenal weekend period, but just seeing the kids step up the way that they did, I was just yes. impressed. And it really did, it did my heart good to see that this weekend. So Absolutely. Laura, thank you so much for sharing that with with us. That's a perfect, perfect thing to hear about right before, obviously, Christmas with all the the buzz and the the craziness. And sometimes we get our eyes off what really, really matters. And so um, thank you for sharing your story. I'm I'm grateful for Mariah coming last week. I'm glad that we got the follow-up from you. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. and, uh, And God bless you. Well, God bless you. And thank you very much for the opportunity um, to give these kids the acknowledgement that they deserve for all the hard work they put into this. I really appreciate you doing this for us. So Merry Christmas to you. And I hope you have a wonderful week. And give Trooper a hug for us. Yeah, you probably can hear him. He's he's squealing in the background there. So if if anybody hears, it's it's Trooper, it's not not me. So, all right. God bless you, Laura. Thank you again. Yes, thank you. All right. Bye-bye. So that was that's a blessing. It's always a blessing to hear um, such such good news and um, people who are very much involved in their community and looking beyond themselves. So uh, I thank Laura Hatton for sharing that, and I thank uh, the Clovers Cops and Christmas Crew for what they have done, and uh, and it continues because Christmas is going to. Uh, be here, God willing, and there will be some kids with some bikes and some toys, and, and there will be some parents with some smiles and some grateful hearts. And so this is, um, Christmas is about the birth of Christ, and um, and this is a part of that, that giving spirit. So, cool. All right, as we wind down here, because time flies here on The Right Voice. So whenever you're tuned into The Right Voice, you've made the right choice. Okay, that was kind of corny, but you get the picture. Um, I wanna, want to end with... Um, some wacky news and then some some more happy news because Laura just gave us some happy news. But um, you guys have probably heard the, the the wacky news of the Miss Universe pageant where Steve Harvey, God bless him, he announces Miss Columbia as the winner instead of Miss Philippines, and uh, so the, she gets Miss Columbia gets crowned and the crown has to come off of her, off her head and it's just oh it's just it's painful. It just is. It's just um, it's it's actually it, bro- it just broke my heart to see that. 
Um, we know it'll all be fine, and, and they'll both probably be extremely famous as a result, particularly Miss Columbia, because you know she'll she'll get a lot of publicity from how that happened. But it's still it's still bad. I feel bad for Steve Harvey. I feel bad for the, the ladies, and one of those things, man, that was wacky. Uh, another wacky thing was that um, a Virginia in a in school a school in Virginia uh, assigned a calligraphy lesson. A teacher did, and what an odd calligraphy lesson. The, the students were told that they had to copy the Islamic statement of faith for their calligraphy. And people, I mean, parents were ticked. School ended up being closed last Friday from backlash. Whether it should have been closed, nah, maybe that was going too far. But I tell you what, these people, they got some communication the school did from some from community and parents, I guess, and whoever they got it from, and they were not happy, and they closed down. They The school had also, in addition to writing out this uh statement of faith, which was the only God is Allah, they had to write in calligraphy. In addition to that, students had to try on a hijab and all that. So that was, you know, I don't know, you think a big deal, not a big deal. But I did hear somebody on Outnumbered, Kat was guest hosting on Outnumbered, and she said, you know what, imagine this, if they had had the students write Jesus is Lord, what would that have, would that have been acceptable? And yet they were allowed to write the only God is Allah in Arabic, um, so what if they Jesus is Lord? You know, we all know that that would not have that would not fly. So anyway, that was that was wacky. Now let's one more piece of wacky news in, in the NPR interview. Obama, President Obama, cited his race as a reason that people oppose him. This is generally not what I would call wacky, but it's so wacky. I had to put it in here, um, you know, talked about how he's different, talked about how people uh, call him a Muslim. And so the uh, some of the or uh, maybe much of the criticism he gets, it seems, is because he's black or something. Um, some people just don't get that their policies aren't working. And so we have to play the card. I don't know. I do not. I'm not so naive as to think that there aren't some people who feel that way. But really, I think most people listen, they voted for you twice. Most people just don't like what you're doing, uh, how you how you operate, and uh, and they're counting down the days to uh, to uh, January uh, uh, to the new president that comes in, not this January. That would be wishful thinking. There. All right. Some happy news. Obviously, we got some happy news from Laura, but I just want to leave you with this. I wish you a merry merry Christmas. That is the happiest news of all. There's a reason why we call it the gospel, the good news. The news is that God so loved the world. We sometimes just rush over that word so. Um, had a had a, a friend, a associate pastor, youth pastor at my church in New York, um, Pastor Chris Romano, and he preached a message once on that. He, you know, we always say God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he talked about how we just go so fast over that word, over that word so. It's not God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that is happy news every day of the week, that God so loved that he gave the greatest gift of all. We give gifts on Christmas. We love to give. We enjoy receiving. But God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son so that we would have eternal life. That's amazing. And so I just want to say this. I'll leave you with this as I've already crossed over into overtime here on The Right Voice. You hear people say a lot, yeah, I'm not feeling Christmas this year. 
You know, you ever hear that expression? I'm not feeling Christmas. I'm not doing Christmas this year. And I'm like, you know, thinking about that. What what does that really mean? I'm not feeling Christmas. Well, you know what? Christmas is feeling you. The Christ in Christmas is feeling you. So we need to turn our eyes to what really matters. It's not about I'm not feeling Christmas. I'm not doing Christmas. Christmas has been done because God gave his son for us. So we need to turn our eyes to him and understand what it's really about. Remember what it's all about. Isaiah 9 and 6. In the word of God says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And that is the good news, that God so loved us that he wrapped himself in flesh and came so that we might live. Merry Christmas, everybody. Enjoy Whatever it is you're doing on Christmas, God bless you. And once again, thank you for tuning in to The Right Voice. I'm your host, Adrian Ross. Until next time. Let me tell you secrets